York Islanders and Pittsburgh Penguins will be meeting twice in the next few days. So we have a special crossover episode with Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. We're going to break down the seasons of these two teams, plus the keys to victory and our fearless predictions. All that and more coming up on this special crossover episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Welcome, everybody, to this special crossover edition of Locked On Islanders and Locked On Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making both Locked On Islanders and Locked On Penguins your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. It is my pleasure to welcome in the uh, host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes, to this special crossover edition. And uh, Hunter, our two teams are playing twice this week. We got tonight and New Year's Eve. Uh, let's start off with the Penguins uh, as the, uh, since we're, you know, I'm hosting this little crossover episode. What is going on with the team's offense and power play? Because you, you got Crosby and Malkin and Latang and uh, Carlson. You've got so much talent on this team. 28th in the league in goals, 27th in the league with the man advantage. I could spend an hour with you talking about the power play, to be honest, but I know we don't have that time on this crossover. I'll start there. It's been a multitude of problems for that unit. Patrick Camp, who is not here, he's one. Of, he's the co-host of Locked On Penguins. He's dealing with some family stuff right now. We've been wanting the Penguins to move on from Tar Reardon, who coaches the power play. Mike Sullivan and Kyle Dubas have not done it as of yet, and Dubas said just a couple of weeks ago that he's really going to give this team until – the also break to see what direction he wants to take, whether he's going to sell the trade deadline or potentially buy if this team is able to turn around. And funny enough, since then, the Penguins have won more games than they lost. So they're turning around a little bit, but the power play, it turned it around for a week after an 0 for 37 skid where it didn't score for a month. But now it's back to being a total disaster once again. With Despite Reardon and his inefficiencies to coach up this unit, I don't think he's telling the Penguin players to Harlem Globetrotter the puck around, overpass, do all this perimeter play, and just not have a sheet-first mentality. That is what you're seeing right now with the Penguins' power play. And, oh yeah, their inability to gain the zone. They barely gained the zone at all on Friday, just before the break against the Ottawa Senators, and that was against 
the Ascenders team that had the worst penalty kill in the league at the time at 70.2%. There was a time during that game, the Penguins had six power play opportunities. They had a seventh one later on in the third period. And this was an officiating crew that was calling basically everything in this game. There was a time where the Penguins only had three power play shots in six opportunities with all that world-class talent on that first unit. That's not acceptable. This unit has lost them games all year, and it lost them. It was part of the reason why the Penguins lost on Friday. Another reason was they didn't show up for the first two periods, but that's another discussion. But overall, this unit has lost them so many games compared to last year where the power play was kind of average. And if this team had an average power play this year, they'd have at least, I would say, four to five more points in the standings and be fighting for a top three to top four spot in the Metro right now. I wouldn't, they're not going to be up there with the New York Rangers, but I think they would be close to where the Islanders are in the standings, where the Flyers are in the standings, where the Capitals are, Carolina, all those other teams that are just fighting for positioning in this division. And they would, I think, be fully in the, in the thick of the playoff race right now. But with how bad this unit has been, it's sunk the Penguins so far down that it's hard for them to dig out of this hole considering how bad the power play has been. There's no excuse for this considering the level of talent that they can put out there on the, on the first power play. I didn't expect this unit to be the best in the league this year, but I didn't expect it to be bottom five in the league almost halfway through the season. Yeah, no, no question. Well, you'll get another opportunity against a weak penalty kill because the Islanders right now are dead last in the league. It changed in a few days. <laughs> yes, and the PK has been killing them recently as well. So uh, we're, we're going to see two of the worst special teams units in the league go head-to-head uh, in the next, you know, twice in the next three games, at least for the Islanders. How about five-on-five? Five? We've talked before on Locked On NHL about Depth scoring being an issue, is that still the issue for the Penguins five on five? Yes, it, it is. I mean, the, the top six has been humming throughout the year. Sidney Crosby has been absolutely tremendous this season. 19 goals, 35 points in 32 games. Sid is top five in the league in goals overall this season. I don't think he's getting enough love for the Hart Trophy this year. I don't know if he would be my pick to win it right now. There's you got Nikita Kucherov, Artem Panera, Nathan McKinnon. We can throw other names in there as well, but he should definitely be in the running to be a finalist right now, in my opinion. I kind of shudder at the thought of what this team would look like without the services of Sidney Crosby. Jake Gensel's been tremendous this year as well, 35 points in 32 games. Evgeny Malkin, 27 points in 32 games. He's been a bit cold as of late, but that's just the product of him getting a bit older and the slums lasting a bit longer. That's what happens when even great players get into their upper thirties and the slums just last a little bit longer. But once you go down the lineup a little bit, Gil, you get into the depth and overall Lars Eller is the team's leading goal scorer in the bottom six, four goals, nine points in 32 games. After that, you have Drew O'Connor. Jeff Carter is tied for second with three goals. I mean, that's just hilarious in itself. Kyle Dubas didn't do enough over the off season to make the team deeper. And there were plenty of depth options out there, but Dubas opted to sign more defensive-minded forwards over some more offensive-minded forwards. And I understood the strategy because what he was saying is, okay, I'm going to let the, the top six go cook. I have six really good players that I can put out there in my top six. And for the bottom six, I want that unit to play low-event hockey, not give up too much in the defensive zone, but also not try to score that much in the offensive zone. Just kind of be a wash, if you will. And it's been a wash at times this year, but 
I disagree with the plan because they haven't gotten enough scoring. And I knew they weren't going to get enough depth scoring when I saw these moves. Matt Nieto, when he's played, he just hasn't really fit in. He's been banged up also throughout the year. Noah Chari, he's been starting to play a bit better since coming back from injury, but he's still not at the level that I thought he would be this season. And Drew O'Connor, I expected big things from him this year. I thought he was going to be in line for maybe 10 to 15 goals. That's not the case. Right now, he only has three on the year. It says something when Lars Eller is your team's best depth scorer and he only has four goals and we're almost halfway through the season. It's it's just not good enough, Gil. And I think if this team is able to turn it around over the next month or two, Kyle Duba said by the All-Star break, he's going to have a better idea of whether he wants to sell at the deadline or whether he's going to buy. If he's going to buy and this team turns around, I think he's going to try to go out there and get another forward. I, I wanted another forward during the offseason, even after the Eric Carlson deal was made, but they decided to roll with what they had. It was a bull tragedy, and it's just, it's not working out the way they intended to, that's for sure. I mean, it's just, it's not there to say the least. But the goaltending, which has always been an issue, they're looking pretty good. And a friend of the Islanders, Tristan Jari, he's playing pretty well. Hey, I know, I, I know Islanders fans always love to get on Tristan Jari's case because let's face it, he was terrible in that last series against the Islanders. But I will say this, Tristan Jari has been fantastic this year. He's ninth in the league in goals they above expected with 8.5. He has a 9.13 save percentage, 2.61 goals against average. He has answered a lot of questions so far this season. It was a bit up and down to start the year. He would have a few good starts, Gil, followed by a couple bad starts, but Ever since the first month of the season kind of went by, or maybe the second month, I should say, too, he's been really locked in. And it's been great to see considering the contract that he signed over the offseason. Alex Delkovich has also been a very pleasant surprise. Goaltending has been a major strength of this team, and it's something that really nobody saw coming, to be honest. I mean, Delkovich, he wasn't good in his last stop. And now this year, Gil, I mean, he's also top 25 in goals state above expected with 3.8. He has a 2.64 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage. His numbers went down a little bit after his Ottawa start. He was in the top 15 goals state above expected before that one, but he allowed five goals in that one kind of a bit of a letdown game. He was getting the lion's share of the starts actually to give Tristan Jari a little bit more rest considering he, his injury history. But I would expect to see Jari in this one. I think they're going to give Adelkovich a night off. I've been kind of saying it a little bit lately. This is a very mini, mini version of what I want them to do compared to last year with Boston. But what I hope that they do, if both keep it up, is have a very, 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 very mini version of Swayman and Olmark from Boston last year, where those two goalies obviously played at a much higher level compared to what Jari and Adelkovich are doing right now. But you can go maybe Jari for a couple games, Adelkovich for one or two, and just keep doing that rotation and keeping both goalies fresh. The Penguins really haven't been able to do that with Jari over the last couple of years because Casey DeSmith wasn't a competent backup. But now that they have a competent backup, they can really split up the starts to fit both goalies. And again, I did not think this was going to be a strength. Just a couple of weeks ago, this team was top three in the league in all situations, save percentage, which is pretty awesome to say the least. And I'll keep saying that the Penguins just can't waste this kind of season from two goaltenders who had such big question marks about them heading into the year. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Let's see if they are able to turn it around. Well, 
We've got a lot more to get to. Uh, when we continue, we will flip the switch, and Hunter will be asking me some questions about the Islanders. We've got all that, plus our fearless predictions still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders and Penguins podcast. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And my favorite feature on Game Time, you go on the app and you can see the view from your seat before you purchase the ticket so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute tickets. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this special crossover edition of the Locked On Islanders and the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by Gil Martin. So, Gil, it looks like it's been a roller coaster of a season for the Islanders so far. It felt like just a month ago, Lane Lambert was potentially going to get fired considering how the Islanders were playing. You fast forward a month, though. They're second in the Metropolitan Division now and only a few points behind the New York Rangers. But you look at that record, right? And every time I see it, I... I I admit, I laugh a little bit because they have more overtime losses compared to just regulation losses, but they're still getting the job done, getting all these points. What does that say to the Islanders' style with how they're able to stay in so many games and get all these points, even if nine of them are overtime slash shootout losses? Yeah, I mean, this team is resilient. They're inconsistent as heck, but they're resilient. And, you know, the problem is they'll always have a bad period or a bad part of a period, and yet they don't give up. They find a way to come back. Either they take a lead and lose it, go to overtime, or they fall behind and catch up and go to overtime. But, I mean, if you look at it right now, in 33 games, they have 16 wins and a combined total of 17 losses but because nine of those losses have been in either overtime or a shootout, they're in second place in the Metro. And, yeah. you know, it, they find a way. This is a veteran team, and they find a way. Right. That's just been the biggest thing this year is that they're able to play in so many of these close games and then get the points, even if some of them end up being losses. And you spoke a little bit about a bad period and such, Gail. It also looks like throughout the year, the Islanders have blown quite a bit of multi-goal leads, which has maybe led to some of these losses in overtime. What has led to the Islanders taking their foot off the gas in these games where it looks like they're in control? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. You know, the Islanders have this reputation of, oh, we're a defense team first. We're going to be outshot, you know, 25 to 12, but we're still going to win two to one. That's not the way they're playing this year under Lane Lambert and they are allowing their defensemen to pinch more and get more involved in the rush. They are pushing it. They have scored 
uh, three or more goals in all the games since Thanksgiving weekend except two. And they are 17th in the league right now, right in the middle in goals scored, but 18th in goals against. So they're being a lot more aggressive uh, offensively and allowing a lot more shots defensively. And I think that's been one of the reasons why they've lost a lot of leads. And then the other one is this, and I'm sure you'll love this and your listeners will love this. They have had trouble clearing their own zone, making that transition from defense to offense. And they also, when they play that way, they stop skating, they stop moving their feet, and they end up taking holding, hooking, uh, tripping penalties because they're a step behind and they're trying to, you know, prevent an odd man rush or a breakaway. So those things combined, you know, last year the Islanders were one of the better defensive teams in the league. This year, they're 18th in the league in goals against, right in the middle of the pack, maybe a little below the middle of the pack. And, uh, you know, it's just that inconsistency. And also, you have to remember right now, no Adam Pellick, no Ryan Pollock, no Scott Mayfield. Three of their top regular six defensemen are out of the lineup. It's so weird when you usually think of the Islanders, especially for the last several years, you think, Gil, a defense first team. And that was especially true when Barry Trotz was there. And it felt like it was true when Lane Lambert was first hired, but I didn't realize just how far it had fallen, at least for this season. And the offense had really taken a step forward. And part of the reason I think the offense has taken a step forward, speaking of that, has been the play of Noah Dobson. I think he's been one of the most underrated defensemen in the league this season, I think he's really silenced a lot of his critics. I mean, this, this season, if you look at his numbers, 29 of his 34 points are assists. He's averaging a point per game. He might be right now a dark horse for the Norris Trophy almost halfway through this season. What has changed in Dobson's game to really elevate himself into one of the better defensemen in the NHL this year? I think the biggest thing is confidence. I I think he's finally realized how good he can be. And, you know, he got a vote of confidence from Lou Lamorello during the offseason. His defensive game regressed last year, and he was getting a lot of criticism for that. He was one of the big reasons they were having trouble clearing the puck out of their own zone last year. But this year, he's gotten better at that. I'm not going to say he's fantastic at it, but he certainly cleaned up his defensive game. And he he just seems so much more comfortable and so much more confident offensively. And on the power play, he's doing a better job of quarterbacking the power play. He always had the skills, but now I think the power play is sort of slowed down for him and he understands what he needs to do to be effective and he's getting the job done. So I think the only thing that's keeping Noah Dobson from being a finalist possibly for the Norris trophy is reputation. You have to do it a little while before the national media or the North American media realizes that you're, you belong in the conversation. I think if he finishes this year strong next year, he'll be in that conversation. And even if he finishes this year on a very strong note, he could potentially be in that conversation to be a finalist for this year. But as you said, definitely next year as well. You mentioned the power play a little bit during that answer, Gil. I know the power play was really bad for the Islanders last year. And I, based on a couple of conversations I had with Islanders fans, it sounded like it was historically bad with how it was costing the Islanders games. But this year, it's been a complete 180. Top 10 in power play percentage, 24.7% right now. That's sixth in the NHL. 
Gil, what's been different for this Islanders power play? I think a few things, but the biggest thing has, well, we mentioned Dobson and the way he's played better on the power play. And he he leads the team with 12 power play assists. But the other thing I think has been that you've had Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzal out there together. And these guys have developed some really good chemistry. And then you add the fact that Barzal has been moved from center to the wing that sort of focuses him a little bit more. He's so good with the puck and with skating it and changing direction and, you know, really making moves on his edges. But at the same time, as the center, he tended to hold on to the puck for too long and turn it over. And when he's on the wing, he just seems to have a little bit more purpose when he's skating with the puck. And you add that with the chemistry he's had with Bo Horvat. You add Brock Nelson, who's been really, really good shooting the puck. Anders Lee, who provides a little bit of a net front presence. You put all that together, and this power play is clicking on all cylinders right now. That's going to be a fun matchup for the Penguins penalty kill because the Penguins PK has been in that top 10 range for most, if not the entire season. It's actually been a strength for the Penguins this season compared to last year. So that's going to be a fun matchup to watch in this one, especially with Nelson on it, who has been a Penguins killer throughout his entire career. Anders Lee is the same way. Barzell, I mean, I love watching him play with a puck on his stick. He's just tremendous. And another strength, last thing we'll get to before we head to a break, Gil, for the Islanders this year, this is no surprise. Goaltending, both Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin form one of the best tandems in the league. But I will say, Sorokin, he is top 10 in goals state above expected with 8.3. But he does have a 3.09 goals against average and a 9.14 save percentage. The save percentage and the goals against average, I feel like, are a bit high compared to normal. I feel like he's not playing at the elite level that I know he can play at yet. And I think this guy is a top three goalie in the league. People, I think he's tremendous. He has killed the Penguins on numerous occasions. It's going to be very annoying to go up against him numerous times for the next several years. But, Gil, who do you expect to start in this one and then on the Sunday game? And do you think Sorokin has maybe a little more to give still this year? I think Sorokin does have more to give. I mean, I think we've seen sort of the B or B-plus version of Ilya Sorokin rather than the A game. But at the same time, interesting statistic for uh, Locked on Penguins listeners especially – the only team that has allowed more shots on goal per game than the New York Islanders on average is the San Jose Sharks. Wow. So he's just facing a lot of rubber. Right. And that's why you see the save percentage is still pretty good, but the goals against average is higher. Um, they're just facing too many games of 35, 40, 42 shots. And I guess when you add all those overtime games, you have five more minutes to take some more shots uh, against your goalie with three on three, no less. So uh, I I think Sorokin has not been his outstanding self, but he's still pretty darn good. And uh, Varlamov has really come up good. I I think we'll see Sorokin tonight, which probably means we'll see him again on New Year's Eve. Uh, And then Varlamov would get the, the game in between that against the Caps. Not etched in stone because Sorokin did play the last game before the break. But with all those days off in between, I figured they go back with the top guy for this game. 
no matter what, this is going to be a very good goaltending matchup for both sides, whether it's Tristan Jari or Alex Delkovic starting. I think it's going to be Jari or whether it's Varlamov or Sorokin starting. But that'll do it for the second segment. Coming up to end the show, Gil and I are going to get into some keys to victory for both the Islanders and the Penguins and who we think is going to win this game. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel, especially with only two weeks to go in the NFL's regular season. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season one more time. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So Hunter, here we are, a couple of games in, in a few days now between our two teams. What do you see as the keys to victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins will win this game if? Well, I mean, they got to have a better start compared to what they did on Friday against Ottawa. I need to see a full, consistent 60 minutes. And I also want to see the Penguins play a style that they've played multiple times this year, but for whatever reason, they go away from it. And you know what that style is, Gil? It's more conservative. Mike Sullivan loves when the Penguins play this way. It's just that some of the top players tend to not want to do this every single game. And what I'm talking about is I think the Penguins this season have been at their best when they've played lockdown defensively, not giving up too many high danger chances, keeping everything to the outside, but also still getting the chances offensively and you know bearing those chances in the offensive zone. I've seen them do it against, I've said this so many times on the Lockdown Penguins podcast, Colorado, Vegas, you just saw it against Carolina when they only gave up seven high danger chances against them for a full game at five on five. Washington, they've beaten some of the best teams in the league by playing this style, but they just haven't wanted to do it in other games like this one against Ottawa, like the other game against Ottawa earlier on this season. They tend to go away from it, but if they can play this more lockdown defensive style, they can come out there and win this game against the Islanders. That's one thing I'm looking for. Special teams, that's obviously a big one. I want to see how the Penguins penalty kill responds to one of the best power plays in the league. And vice versa, can the Penguins actually take advantage of a woeful penalty killing unit? They didn't do that against Ottawa. They had one power play goal and seven opportunities against Senators. Can that improve? And can we see some of the progress that I thought we were seeing about a week and a half ago when the Penguins were six for the last 16 on the power play? Those are a couple of things I'm looking for. And obviously, Sidney Crosby, they need him at their best if they're going to win this game. He has ridiculous numbers against the Islanders. Islanders fans know that very, very well. And again, overall, man, I'm just looking for the Penguins to finally beat this team. The the Islanders have been a thorn in the Penguins side, you know, well before I was born, for God's sake. Every time it feels like something with this franchise has gone wrong, it's, you think about it, it's like, yep, it's the Islanders. So I'm looking for the Penguins to try and bounce back in this one because they didn't beat them at all. Last year, they were 0-3-1 in those four games. The overtime loss was the one that really definitely got to me because they were up by two late in the third period, and they allowed the Islanders to score two goals in the final six minutes to tie it. When I don't think the Islanders had any business being in that game. 
and then the Islanders won it in overtime. So those are really the keys for what I'm looking forward to with this one. And also, if we can get some depth scoring in this one, that would be great too. But I'll throw it back at you, Gil. What do the Islanders have to do to pull out this victory on the island? Well, I think, number one, the power play does have to click. And I think the other thing is uh, I'd like to see the Islanders hold the Penguins to less than 35 shots on goal, including not a lot of high-danger chances. That is one issue. And look, when you, you've got three of your top six defensemen out of the lineup, that's easier said than done. Although I have to say to, uh, Robert Bortuzzo and uh, Riley have done a very good job of filling in uh, – and give credit to Lou Lamorello for those inexpensive and quality, you know, fill-in additions. They've been good additions to this defensive unit, but uh, they they need to do that. And they need to, even against a, a struggling Penguins power play, don't take dumb penalties. Right. Uh, too, too many times, you know, penalties in the offensive zone, penalties when they're on the power play, uh, those kind of things have to be reduced. And then, Finally, a lot of what you said, got to get a 60-minute effort. Too many times the Islanders have just played two good periods and one horrible period, or even a really good period, and in the last two minutes of the period, they ease up and give up a goal or two. It's got to be a 60-minute effort. That's how you avoid all those overtime losses and shootout losses. Uh, And if they're going to take the next step forward, that's going to have to be a key And, you know, it's interesting listening to the two of us talk. It's almost like these two teams did a freaky Friday where the Islanders became the offensive team and the Penguins became the shutdown team. What's going on? I mean, we've seen it. It's funny. We've seen it at times this year for the Penguins when they want to play like this. And again, it's when they're at their best. They don't have the capability to play at that 2016 level just because they don't have that kind of roster right now. And just some of the players are also a bit older compared to where they were in 2016. So they have to play a bit more defensive, a bit more careful. And that style has worked for the Penguins this year. And if I wanted to throw another key out there just to keep this going, I kind of want to see a vintage Eric Carlson game here. He's been as advertised for the Penguins this year. Six goals, 22 points in 32 games. Very good numbers. Latang just wanted to comparison three goals, 17 points in 32 games. So again, they've both been very good. But Carlson, I feel like it's been a little bit since he's been – the best player on the ice for the Penguins. We've seen it multiple times earlier this season, earlier this season, excuse me. And for example, the game against Detroit, the Penguins had a comeback attempt very early on in the season. And Carlson was putting on a show that entire game, put on a show a couple of games later as well, but has been good since then, but hasn't put on that type of performance. I feel like where he's taken over a game since the last six to seven weeks. If he can have that kind of performance in this one, it would go, I think, a long way for the Penguins for, to, to win. All right, so your prediction, Hunter, for tonight. Let's just do tonight for the predictions. Yeah, it's funny, Gail. I'm actually going to predict them to lose this game. I'm going to go 3-2 Islanders in this one. I just don't see it right now with the team. Full. I know they're 4-1-1 and in their last six games, but Long Island has been a house of horrors for the Penguins. They just never play well up there. And I think that's going to continue in this one. If I had to pick a winner for the rematch on New Year's Eve, I'll go Penguins in that one. But for this one on Long Island, I'm going to go the Islanders 3-2 in overtime. Both teams get a point. 
at least a point, excuse me, but the Islanders, they're not going to have double-digit loser points after this one. I'll, I'll go the Islanders, Miguel. I'm going to go a little higher higher scoring than you. I'm going to say 5-4 Islanders. Little crazy stat. The Islanders are right now the only team in the league who have not scored an empty net goal. I don't think they're going to get one again uh, tonight <laughs> against the Penguins. I think what we'll have, though, 5-4 Islanders tonight and then probably an overtime loss or a shootout loss to the Penguins on New Year's Eve. So I think we're both sort of predicting three points out of these two games right. for both teams. So I think, under, you yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, first of all, we just want to let everyone know locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 seven streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on sports today is here for you. 24 seven covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hunter, thank you so much. Always a pleasure doing these and uh, always a pleasure having you also on Locked On NHL. Uh, We did a a segment over the weekend, so the Monday show, you were uh, on there with me and a great job. And uh, looking forward to this great rivalry in two games coming up in the next few days. Yeah, it's weird that they haven't played yet this season, but these, these two games are definitely going to be spirited. They're going to be probably a little bit nasty. The fan bases obviously don't like each other very much. Haven't liked each other for quite some time, but I'm glad we got to get together to do this. And I, again, these two games are going to be a lot of fun. We'll have to do this later on in the season when these two teams play again. Looking forward to it. All right. I want to thank Hunter Hodes for doing this special crossover edition of locked on Islanders and locked on penguins. And of course I want to thank everyone for making Locked on Islanders, your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We'll have our key takeaways from this game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We will also have our preview of the game against the Capitals and our weekly farm report. So all that coming up on tomorrow's show. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.